The following program is provided by Renew Your Mind Ministries. Welcome to Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God radio program, an in-depth study of the Word of God. The program name is from Romans 12.2, which says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God Bible Study Podcast, where we take a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the Word of God. And as a reminder, you can hear all past episodes of this podcast and future episodes of this podcast and all three of our podcasts that's the renewing your mind with the word of god bible study podcast the god revelation podcast which is a verse by verse chapter by chapter study of the book of revelation and our latest podcast the holy spirit podcast where we're going to do an in-depth or we are doing an in-depth study of the third person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit. You can find all past and future episodes of all three podcasts on our website of renewingyourmindministries.org. That's Renew Your Mind Ministries. That's M-I-N-I-S-T-R. I-E-S dot dot O-R-G or on any podcasting platform anywhere where they broadcast or play podcasts we are there whether it's Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify wherever you can hear a podcast we should be there as always, if you need prayer, you can send that prayer request to us via email at renew your mind, the letter M as in Mary at gmail.com, or you can mail it to me. I am Brother Arnold at P.O. Box 721143, Jackson, Mississippi 39. 272. So you can either email, that's renew your mind, the letter M at gmail.com, or you can write a letter and mail it to P.O. Box 721143, Jackson, Mississippi 39272. Also, a reminder you can find us on Facebook, that's facebook.com forward slash renew your mind ministries INC. I mentioned earlier that we find we have finally started the Holy Spirit podcast. That's, again, a podcast where we're going to take an in-depth look at the Holy Spirit. So I invite you to check out all three podcasts. But going back to this podcast, to renew your mind with the Word of God Bible Started podcast, we are currently in the book of John. and the book of John, uh, I would invite you to open your book or your Bible app and turn with me to the book of John in the New Testament of the Bible. When we last left off or in our last episode, Jesus had just healed the man who had been crippled for almost 40 years at the pool of Bethesda. After healing the man on the Sabbath and requesting the in and requesting him to 
take up his bed and walk after the healing. This infuriated the religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribe, because Jesus had ordered the man or requested a man to break their man-made rule on not doing a certain thing on the Sabbath. And because of this, and more so probably because of Jesus' popularity, because during that time in the backdrop, Jesus had been healing and performing many miracles and stirring a commotion among the people. And they were afraid that their power was being undermined. And so when he, when Jesus requested the man to take up his mat and walk, something that they considered was a violation of their man made law, not God law, but their man made law, they sought all more so to kill Jesus. And that's what we talked about in the last episode. And Jesus being aware of this, and apparently they confronted Jesus and Jesus responded and to begin his defense of why he was doing the things that he was doing because he is God. That he was only doing the things that God the Father had told him to do. And if they would not dare question or accuse God to working on the Sabbath and if he is doing the will of the Father to heal that man on the Sabbath then he was not breaking any law of God, let alone a God, a law or regulation or man, which they did not want to hear. And so in this episode, again, we're in the book of John, chapter five. We're going to pick up in verse 24 and read to, I believe, verse 38. We're going to read all of that. I'm not sure we're going to get through breaking all that down, but we shall see. But this episode in verses 24 through 38 of chapter 5 of the book of John, Jesus continued his defense of healing the man on the Sabbath and more generally doing the things that he is doing, coming to show the way to fulfill the law and then ultimately, as we know and will see in his holy word, to offer up his holy, precious, and godly and perfect blood for our sins that he would be killed for that. He will be buried for that and ultimately resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Father God. So let's pray and then we'll get into the study. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we lift you up. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Holy Word. We thank you for this opportunity to better study your word because your word say we should study the word, prove ourselves unto God by studying the word, dividing it. We thank you, Lord, for it. We thank you for every listener. Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask that you bless this time, that you open up our minds, our hearts to understand your word and to apply it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. All right, so let's go back to John chapter 5, picking up in verse 24, and I will be reading out of the NIV version. So the words that you may be seeing in your Bible or on your Bible app may be a, a little different from mine. And as I often say from time to time, if you're reading a version of the Bible, particularly the King James Version, where they're using old English, thee, thou's, ye, and you don't understand it, don't suffer through. There are translations of the Bible, word for word, and the English that we speak 
and read today without changing its meaning that you can read the word of God and understand it. Don't let that be a hindrance because of the name King James. Because there's some individuals out there that they're just committed to the King James because that's the only Bible they know. Where there are different translations where, again, you're not losing the literal translation of the Bible from the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Arabic that is using the current English, if you're speaking English, that we speak today and read without changing the meanings of the word, where you do not have to suffer through trying to understand, one, the word of God in and of itself, and then, two, understanding old English that we do not speak or read today. Now, if that's not you and you read the King James, you can understand it, Hey, fine, keep using it. But if you are reading it and you're saying, I don't understand the words I'm reading because I don't typically use ye, yea, thou in sentences and don't usually read it in sentences and I'm having a hard time understanding, go to another translation, the NIV. That's what I usually use, not the only version, but there are other versions. As I always caution, beware of paraphrased Bibles, though. Because paraphrased Bibles are not literal translation from the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, the original language that the Word of God were written in, in the Old Testament and New Testament. But there's someone who is pretty much telling you what they believe the Word is saying, as opposed to what the words actually say being translated from those. So beware of paraphrased Bibles. But if it's a word-for-word translation, and it's actually in a current English that we're using today, Look at it and consider it and pray about it. That's all I'm saying. All right, but let's go back to John chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse number 24 and read to verse 38 and then come back and break it down and hopefully we get through all these verses again. This is Jesus continuing his defense to those religious leaders who are now persecuting him for healing on the Sabbath. They they weren't excited about this man who had been crippled for 40 years being all of a sudden healed, healed, They're more concerned about, man, you're breaking our law. How dare you? So Jesus is defending himself to these individuals, and we're picking up in verse number 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead would hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live for as the father has life in himself. So he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And he has not given him authority to execute judgment, but he is the son of God. Verse 28. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 31. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Verse 33. 
you sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. Verse 35, he was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the father has given me to accomplish the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the father has sent me. Verse 37. And the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice. You have never heard his form. You have never seen. And then finally, verse 38. And you do not have his word abiding in you for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. All right, so let's go back to verse 24 of John chapter 5 in the New Testament and break it down from there. Truly, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. And some versions says condemned, but has a cross, has, but has crossed over from death to life. Once again, in verse 24, Jesus in some versions, may, it may say amen or amen or truly, truly, which again indicate that Jesus is what he's telling these, the crowd who consists of people who are following him for the miracles, his disciples and the religious leaders that he is defending himself against uh, for healing on the Sabbath. He is telling them the things that I am telling you are from firsthand personal knowledge as being sent from the father, as being part of father, as being God. So what I'm telling you, that's what he's telling to these religious leaders by using or starting the sentence with amen or amen, amen, or truly, truly. What he's saying is, and what they understood is that he is saying this by personal knowledge. No one told him these things. He didn't have to read about it. I know these things as a matter of personal fact. Because I'm God, I was sent by the Father, and I was only doing the things that God has told me to do and saying those things that God the Father has told me to say. This verse goes hand in hand with the statement that Jesus made in verse number 23, which is those who accept Jesus are accepting God. And that it means accepting eternal life, because when one accepts Jesus, they accept God and they also their spirit is born into eternal life. That spirit man, the true man, will never die because of that belief and confession. That's what he's saying in this verse. But he's also saying those who reject Jesus means they're rejecting God and those who reject God are under his judgment. You can see that in John 3, 36. The words Jesus are using in this verse place this eternal life that he's speaking about in the present, right then, or whenever you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your eternal life begins right there. Oftentimes, I think it's, there's a myth or belief that our eternal life begins once this body, physical body, dies. No, when you're spirit is regenerated or made new your eternal life begins there and while this physical body may die the eternal life goes on along with your soul which is your mind your personality but ultimately as a believer which we're going to talk about in this podcast and probably sooner 
in the God Revelation podcast where we're taking a verse by verse, chapter by chapter study of the book of Revelation, where we talk about the rapture when Jesus returned and, we, and the believers are going to meet him in the air. Our spirit and souls are going to come back and be rejoined with a glorified body. But the eternal life begins at the moment of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's talking in the presence, not after you die and then it begins. It begins on the the very moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that spirit is born by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will live forever. Even though for a moment, for a while, the physical body may be dead, but eventually you'll be rejoined with a glorified body and that body and the spirit would never die. But he's talking in the present. That is that those who put trust and faith in Jesus have eternal life right now. Their passing from death to life has already happened when you believe in Jesus Christ. All right. Now, verse number 25 of John chapter five. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead would hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. For the third time in this short, short passage, we see Jesus using the phrase again in some translations. Amen. Amen. Or in some translation, truly, truly. I say to you, which implies absolute firsthand knowledge that he didn't get this from reading a book. He didn't get this from somebody else telling him that he know from personal experience. This verse, verse 25, is a reference to salvation. The first and foremost aspect of our salvation, salvation is spiritual. We need to be rescued from spiritual death, which is separation from God. So when you accept Jesus Christ and your Lord and Savior, this verse is referring to that your spirit becomes alive. And matter of fact, the Holy Spirit, God, resides in you. This verse is also foreshadowing the resurrection of all believers that I just talked about. That eventually Jesus, before he returns to this earth and we go into that seven-year tribulation, that he's going to come back in the clouds and he's going to call all believers out of this earth. The ones who are dead their body anyway, that are physically dead, those bodies were re-raised, glorified, and be reunited with the spirit that never died. And then those who are still alive at that time will be caught up as well. Their body, although it never died, would be transformed and trickling out of an eye into a glorified body that would never die. And be so this verse is referring to Salvation, spiritual salvation is also foreshadowing the resurrection of believers. Verse number 26, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. Jesus is a part of God and is God. So he has the same life and power as God, the father. We worship and believe in one God. God almighty, who has chosen to manifest himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit acting in harmony. But there's only one God. So when he, Jesus is saying in this verse 26 that there's life in him that's in the Father because they're one. Verse number 27 of John chapter 5. As he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. The he here is God the Father. The title son of man carries great weight in the Jewish worldview. Because again, to put this in context, 
Jesus, even when he was talking to the religious leaders, he was talking to fellow Jews. Jesus was Jewish. His disciples were Jews. The people that he was in the community with were Jewish people. These religious leaders were Jews. So they had a, a commonality of the, oh, what we would call the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy, the old prophets. So when Jesus is using some terminology of the Son of Man, they would know that he's referring to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 7, 13 through 14, which talks about the Son of Man. So you can look that up, Daniel 7, 13 and 14. So when he mentioned this, these people that he's talking to are getting the reference. And so I must mention that so when you see the word Son of Man, so you will get the reference as well. They know what he's referring to because you, this son of man, is put in the context of a Messiah because he is the Messiah. And he was telling them that he was the Messiah by using the title, the title son of man. It's a claim of power. John uses the phrase son of man a dozen times in this gospel. And seen some 80 times in the other gospels combined. This verse also tells us that God the Father has given Jesus the authority to judge the world because Jesus paid the price with his own life and blood for the sin of all. So God the Father has given him the authority to judge those who do not accept him because he has given his life for all of us. What we have to do is confess it and believe it. He's done the work. The penalty that we should have all paid, death, for our sins through our great, 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 granddaddy Adam and our own sins flowing therefore, our rebellion and disobedience to God, it demanded death. It demanded death. And someone paid that penalty, that death penalty. Jesus, his son, who was the perfect sacrifice, a person that never sinned, who was not worthy of death, but he, that's what made the sacrifice so perfect. He paid the penalty. He paid it. And only thing the word says that we have to believe and confess that he did it. And for those who would not do that, God, the father has given Jesus the authority to judge them. And he's going to do that. That judgment is going to come. Jesus is now the lamb. But in the end, he's going to be the judge. He's going to judge believers, but to give out rewards for good works, not works for salvation. But once we're saved, he saved us into good works. And for those who do those good works, they're going to be rewards for that from our heavenly father, from God. But for unbelievers, that judgment will be until damnation and the lake of fire separated from God forever. And that's a position nobody would want to be in. Nobody should want to be in. It's real. And you don't have to be in if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He did it for you. He did it for you. He loved you. He loves you. Verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, Jesus said. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. One reason Jesus reminded his listeners not to marvel at his claim is that this end time resurrection was a common part of existing Jewish thought. In other words, the Jewish people believed at that time, at the, what they call the end time or the last day, there would be a resurrection. Now, there was a group that didn't believe that, the Sadducees, and you can find that in Acts 23.8. They didn't believe that. They believed once you died, you just did, and that was it. 
but that was not a that was not the common view of the Jewish people. Most Jewish people taught and believed that there was going to be the final day at the end of history. Then believers would be raised by God. So they understood what he was talking about. So he was saying, don't be marvel what I'm saying. There's going to be a resurrection. Jesus promised in verse verses 28 and 39 is a link to this common accepted belief of his own ministry. So in other words, he's telling them, yeah, there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection. And there's going to be a resurrection for those who have believed unto reward and eternal life and those who didn't believe into eternal damnation. So he's linking their already common Jewish belief to him, to the Messiah, to the Savior. Verse 29 of John chapter 5. And come out of those, and this is a continuation of verse 28. So let's read it all together. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be content, to be condemned. This is referring to the rapture of believers. On the other hand, those who reject God, which mean those who have rejected Christ, will be raised from death and be judged. This judgment will result in separation from God in the lake of fire. And when it says those who've done good, the good that they did was not works, not going to church, not being quote unquote good, not lying, not fornicating, not smoking, not drinking. No, the good they're referring to in verse 29 is the good of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not good works. Works have value, but works don't save anybody. The work that saved us, Jesus has done on the cross, dying for our sin, being buried and resurrected. He did the work. The good that they're talking about in verse 29 is believing and accepting that Jesus did it. Because nothing we could do is say we can save ourselves outside of that. And the word of God makes that plain and clear. And if anybody is preaching anything else, it's contrary to the word of God. Verse number 30. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but he who sent me. And to recap in John chapter 5, 16, verses 16 through 29, John began to respond to his critics. Now, verse 30 summarizes the point Jesus made in the prior passage. That is that he is in perfect unity with the God with God the Father, that he is in perfect unity with God the Father. Because he says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. This verse provides a bridge between Jesus' claim about his unity with God and to evidence which supports these claims. Jesus is justifying what he's doing to these religious leaders and to anybody who's really listening. Jesus is telling these religious leaders that are persecuting that he's teaching, he's ministering, he is doing the will of God. And they would dare not challenge the will of God by breaking their man-made rules. And so don't be challenging him. He did not break their man-made rules. He is God. He's doing the will of God. And that's what this whole part of chapter 5 is about. Now, we're running out of time, so I don't want to get into verse number 35 through 38 because those are critical verses. And what those verses are going to be talking about is because 
based upon Jewish law to just summarize and we're going to get into get into it in more detail in the next episode that Jesus is going to come prove his case to these doubters to these haters to these Jewish leaders that he is God based upon three things the Jewish law of having two witnesses because you're going to have John the Baptist as a witness father God his witness and based upon his miracles and based upon the scriptures that he's fulfilling all these things that everything he's saying is doing is true. So he's these next verses, which we're going to get into on next week. Jesus is trying to prove to these religious leaders that he is God and everything he's doing is righteous, is just, is correct. But at the end, he's going to say, you're not going to believe me because you never knew my father. You don't know me. And these words are falling on deaf ears because the only thing you're concerned about is your position in society, your prestige, your man-made rules and regulation. And outside of that, you have no room for God. That's ultimately that's what the, he's, this conversation is leading to. But we're going to save that for next week. So we're going to close off on verse number, verse 30, pick up on verse 31 on next week if the Lord says the same. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. I thank you. I praise you. We praise you. I lift you up. We lift you up. For being the awesome, mighty God that you are. For your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your salvation, for your forgiveness of sin. Through your son, Jesus. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For allowing your holy, precious, and godly blood to be spilled for our sins. Thank you for sending back the second comforter. The Holy Spirit to guide and counsel us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. To empower us. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to my voice right now and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is no coincidence that you are listening to this. God has appointed this time for you to hear the word of God to change your heart from a stone to flesh. To accept his son, Jesus Christ, for dying for your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you can have that right now. If your heart is something that's tugging in your heart to say this prayer that we're going to pray, say it right now. God has appointed this opportunity for you to do it. You may not get it again because as I always say, which is true and we all know it, tomorrow is not promised to us. The end of this day is not promised to any of us. People are dying every day since Adam. And we never know when our number is going to be calling. You need to know right now that if you should leave, as your physical body should die, that you would know that your spirit and your soul would go on to be with God and that you would have everlasting life in him as opposed to one day waking up in hell in judgment. So if that's you and you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior, say this prayer with me. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe and accept your only begotten son, Jesus, died for my sins. Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sins. I ask you to forgive my sins. I now proclaim you Lord and Savior of my life in your holy name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer according to God's infallible, righteous, holy word, you are now a part of his holy family. 
You are now saved from his wrath. Your soul has been made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you should die in the next one minute, and I pray that that, that, that does not happen, you will see the glory of God. And I don't care what you feel like, because nowhere in God's word to say if you feel like you saved. It said if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That Jesus died for your sins, that you are saved. And you can count on that. He didn't say if you feel joy, you feel content, you feel peace. Now, those things may happen if they do. Great. But if they don't, don't worry about it. Your, your salvation is not based upon your feelings. It's based upon the word of God, doing what he says, being obedient, and you can trust in that. And that's all you need. I thank you for listening. Pray for me and I pray for you. And I'll see you in the next episode. Amen and amen. That's our time for today's program. We pray that this Bible study has blessed you. If you have a prayer request, you can email it to us at renewyourmind, the letter M as in Mary, at gmail.com. Remember, you can hear current and past shows at any time on our website at renewyourmindministries.org or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We encourage you to tell others about the program and share our website at renewyourmindministries.org. Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. By telling others about the program, you're doing your part to spread the gospel into all the world about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Until next time, this has been Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God.